0: this is victor Osio, and welcome to the diaspora entrepreneurs podcast the diaspora entrepreneurs podcast is an entrepreneurial podcast for africans and caribbeans in the diaspora who wants to be in charge have the confidence to challenge their economic realities by leveraging digital tools to create wealth and an unshakable mindset my guests on the show are over shivers rick stakers doers and entrepreneurs from the diaspora community worldwide and key people of interest that I learned from. I am an advocate of moving to Africa to build Africa while creating recurring revenue digitally. The Diaspora Entrepreneurs podcast is available on Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, on our website www.diasporachiefs.com forward slash blog and other major platforms. Click to follow or subscribe on your favorite platforms to get notifications on latest episodes. My purpose is to inspire exponential living using digital entrepreneurship. So from Victor Osio, I would say be
1: great and happy listening.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today I have a visionary, an amazing, an amazing guy. It's now my friend, but you know how it is in the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast. I have John Paul Matenga, who is the founder of UFarm.africa. It is a platform for that supports local farmers to get investments from all over the world. And the mission of His application is to connect farmers to a network of crop investors from around the world. Hello, John Paul. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Victor. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. You guys, you are doing an amazing job on your platform. And um, agricultural financing, agri-financing is a huge, um, it's like an elephant in the shop that we
1: need to address. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the, way this, the way this basically started was that um, towards the end of 2016, my, my mother got a farm and, you know, being a typical Zimbabwean mother, she decided to make it my problem, you know, to get, <laughs> you know, to get the farm going. So, you know, I, I went around trying to get, you know, finance for the farm and, you know, no one was actually willing to lend me money. You know, I went to banks, microfinance institutions and, you know, even friends and family. And just no one was willing to, to, to give me money. And it just occurred to me that, you know, there were thousands of farmers who, had, who were in the same boat and we were facing the, the same challenges. And around about the same time, I was also looking at ways of investing small amounts of money, you know, 100 bucks here, 50 bucks there, that sort of thing. But there was nothing that could um, cater to, to, to my sort of needs or my levels. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, you go to Old Mutual, for example, you know, these big guys, you know, they'll tell you that, you know, you need $5,000 just to open up an account. And, you know, when you give them the money, you know, they'll tell you that, you know, we'll see you in five years or something like that, you know. And so for me, there was nothing for me to start my, my you know, my, my investment journey. There was nothing that would cater for low to middle income earners, you know. And, you know, then it occurred to me that um, I could get people to invest in crops and livestock and share the profits with the farmers when the produce goes to market. And we could actually fund farmers that way. And that's basically how um, U Farm was born. Before, before, before we go further into that, um, let me just, can you just tell
0: me just a little bit about yourself before, before mom drops this um, huge responsibility on your lap? <laughs> yeah,
1: so um, before this, I mean, like, um, I've, I've had like a, a wild ride um, through life. Um, before this, I was actually running a business. Um, I started a business that does screen printing and embroidery and corporate branding. And before that, I was actually in uh, medical school, and in my third year of medical school, I just decided that you know I just I wasn't happy with what I was doing, Um, and you know I decided to leave it to actually become an entrepreneur. And one of the first things that I tried to do was um, a project with um, um, an, an electronic medical health record system because I saw a big problem at one of the hospitals, one of the local hospitals, where records were being kept on file and these guys have got records from the 70s and you know to ask a nurse to look for a record you know she's not going to find it there's thousands of records and stuff like that and you know i kind of caught the bug um for being an entrepreneur because i saw i saw what you know coding could do and how it could actually change lives because it's 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 certainly an equalizer you know anyone can learn how to code and you know you can create amazing solutions by um by coding you know it's not something where it's some amazing technology that's you know kept in the west and you know we have to import the technology it's something we could do ourselves and learn and you know create amazing solutions for you know for african problems so when i tried to do that when well when i when i when i, when I quit medical school you know it was the first project that i tried and you know I, I i absolutely failed at it because first of all i didn't know how to code i didn't know the first thing about starting a startup and also the other thing is you know, when you, when you become an entrepreneur, timing is very important. And the timing there, um, it, it wouldn't have worked then. It would work now, but it wouldn't have worked then because, you know, um, data connections weren't that great. You know, you'd have to have created them, uh, a network to, for an internet connection between the hospitals and stuff like that for it to work. But now you've got um, mobile data and that sort of thing. So it would have worked out very well now. But, I mean, that's, that's how I actually got into this.
0: Well, oh, you've been you've been you've you've chosen your part. That's what I would say. You've yeah. chosen your part. And like we like we were discussing before before this call now, I was saying we're saying time for complaining is over. Absolutely. For Africans. There's no I, I, point I, complaining about anything. You saw a local problem and you fixed it. That's absolutely that is it. Your opportunities are so are so immense that just look around you. So instead of looking to to the old old mutual you said earlier on, and yeah. trying to get um, capital from these establishments who are not necessarily going to, what was the challenge for you to like, get
1: um, finance for your mom's farm? So so the biggest the biggest issue when it comes to um, you know, finance from your traditional um, your traditional lenders is they want security. You know, so I mean, I've, I'm always joking with people that you know, just to get finance, especially in um, in Zimbabwe where we started. You know, these guys, you know, they want your they want your blood type. You know, they want your first born child. You know, and they want some <laughs> sort of security. You know, before they even consider giving you any sort of lending. And you know, you know, farmers face the same problem, especially smallholder farmers. You know where you, know, you want finance and this bank is asking you for security. So security could be in the form of you know, a title deed to a property or maybe you know, your car or something like that. You know. But then you look at the position that a older farmer is in. You know, these guys don't have access to, to finance, but they've got access to land. You know, the crop should be the actual security you know, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the actual loans. And you can actually, you can actually um, ensure these loans that you give to these farmers and stuff like that. you know, So for us, you know, we, we don't believe that there's a good excuse for not funding a farmer. And um, our, we, the, the way we provide finance for our farmers is it's collateral free. You know, The only thing that a farmer needs for, to join our platform is a passion for farming. Um, and they just need permission to use the land. And permission to use the land can come in the form of either a title deed or written permission to use the land, so a lease agreement with written permission that says that this land can be used to farm x, y, and z that 's all you need you know this this whole business of you know the farmer must give us a house and whatnot i, I think it's nonsense
0: yeah i totally agree with that because the hurdles for farmers are so are so huge that they can't access just a simple loan and i can exactly. see yeah and I can see on your on your platform that you 've got. Um, different type from birds to they lay eggs like, and this um, the finance the capital needed is not that huge. Yes, yes. So,
1: so so for a lot of the projects, the farmers don't require a lot of money um, to to get started. I think the, I think the the problem is the the way that people think about farming. They think about farming from a commercial a commercial farmer's point of view. Where, you know, a commercial farmer will tell you that maybe, you know, he needs um, half a million dollars because he's going to be planting 200 hectares of, um, or, or 500 hectares of a, of a certain crop. Whereas we like to think about it from a project by project basis, you know, so maybe a farmer wants to do, you know, maybe a quarter of an acre of a certain crop, you know, and all he requires is, you know, $5,000 or something like that you know, that can be easily funded. The most important thing is if there's a market for the crop, then it can definitely be funded because at least we know where the crop is actually going and stuff like that. So we, we fund our farmers from a project to project um, uh, basis. So the farmer could be maybe interested in doing, say, um, breeder chickens, for, for example, or they could be interested in doing a project with off-layer chickens, or they could be interested in doing a project with uh, lettuce, you know, and, and the nice thing about it with the way that we... We we do the financing and the and um, allowing people to investors. Um, you know, uh, an investor can choose the project that they want to get involved with. So lettuce, for example, takes about eight weeks to to get to market. So you know yourself that look, if I put my money into this project, I'm going to get it back at the end of eight weeks. You know, we project that it's going to make this much, and I will make you know say you know, ten percent. Uh, um, Ten percent in eight weeks, which is not something that you're going to get in banks or, or anywhere else. You know, um, you know, if you look at um, the chicken project, for example, there's one that's really cool because it's something that we discovered this year. We we didn't actually know about it because I don't have a finance background. You know, until someone actually pointed it out to me, how crazy the project is. So this project um, gives you returns of five point six uh, five point about five point six nine percent. And this is every five weeks because it takes chickens five weeks to get to market. Now, this farmer will do eight cycles per year. So if you took $100 and you invested it, you reinvested it over the eight cycles, you actually end up making 45% return in a year just by reinvesting. So compounding interest and stuff like that. You know? So it's, it's, it's really an amazing way to actually um, finance farmers and make some money while you're actually doing it
0: wow that's really great because like you rightly said you won't get you won't get those kind of rates on the, um in the bank or keeping your money in the bank definitely so uh um, what brings me to one question how how
1: secure how secure are the investments okay so so right off the bat obviously there's no there's no investment that's 100% guaranteed. And if you do find one, please let me know so that I can, <laughs> I can, I can jump on board. Definitely, you know? I, I agree with you on that. But we do try to, to mitigate as much risk as we can, um, as much risk as possible. So there's a number of things that we do. First of all, every project has to have crop insurance. That, that, is, that is a given. And we, we insure against force majeure. So that's you know, fire, rain, hail, that sort of thing. Um, the next thing that we do in terms of risk mitigation is, and this is very important, and this actually came up as a result of uh, COVID. So we were supposed to launch our first pilot project um, in March um, with, uh, well, our first pilot project in South Africa. We've done four pilot projects in Zim, and we're about to launch our first pilot project in South Africa in March. So we actually came about four days before lockdown. Um, and then these guys are launched, I think, one of the most serious lockdowns in the world. And it, it literally killed our business because part of our business is that we, we would go out there, vet the farmers, you know, make sure that everything's working on the farms, that sort of thing, you know, meet with the farmers and that sort of thing, right? And, and we actually didn't realize that there was a problem with our business model. You know, we, 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 we just couldn't scale because now all of a sudden, you know, you're in a big country like South Africa and, you know, you can't be in Cape Town and have a farmer who's in, uh, in Kauteng or Johannesburg. You know, how are you, it's going to be very costly to try to visit that farm and try to monitor what they're doing. So we then, we then realized that there was a flaw in our business model. And then we then created what we call farm agents. So a farm agent is an independent operator with an agricultural background. Um, so it could be a degree in crop science or a degree in um, animal science, or, or agronomy, or horticulture, or something like that. And what these guys do is their job is to go out there in these, in these uh, farming communities, identify farmers who, who need funding, um, and then what they do is they help these farmers manage their projects. So they'll manage the finance, they'll come up with the budgets, and they also provide agricultural extension services. That's, that's why it's critical for these guys to have an agricultural background. So they then provide the extension services. So this, So we don't give the farmers direct cash we then give the money to the agents. So they have to have a registered company and we do background checks on these guys and stuff like that. They then manage the farmers and they manage the project. So they'll buy the, they'll buy the inputs on behalf of the farmers. They're providing expert advice and they're making sure that the inputs are being used correctly and stuff like that. So they're the ones who now identify the farmers. You know, if a farmer says that they've got irrigation, they're going to make sure that the irrigation equipment works and, uh, and that's, and that sort of thing. Now, why, why, why this has worked out very well for us is because it's actually not helped us scale. You know. So we just focus on financing the farmers. These guys focus on finding the farmers and working with the farmers to, to then do that. So in terms of risk mitigation, it's perfect because one of the reasons why banks, for example, are not interested in, in financing smallholder farmers is because they can't actually get out to these guys and also inspect you know, these guys' farms and stuff like that. And by working with agents not only have we created employment for people with agricultural degrees and stuff like that but it's allowed us to actually scale and service more farmers and right now as we speak we've also got a pilot project in Botswana um because we're testing to see if we can do the model in different countries as well
0: yeah yeah that's 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 so that's so wonderful and it's good it's it's, it's good that uh, well the cash doesn't actually go directly to the farmers. It goes through the agent. Yes. Who kind of knows what um, the day-to-day activity of the farmer and yes. know what the farmer needs.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yes. so it, 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 it doesn't matter how much experience that a farmer has. So a farmer could have been farming, you know, um, beans for 200 years. It, it, we, we don't care. They have to work with our agent. And there's a specific one of the specific reasons is that, um, you know, sometimes you know people pick up bad habits along the way, you know. So the far, so so these guys will make sure that the farmers don't take any shortcuts, you know, um, through bad habits. So it may not be that the farmer is, is bad at farming, but he might have been taught bad habits, you know. Also, the other thing is that you know some people can be very dishonest. So you could buy ten tons of fertilizer for a project, and this farmer would use five tons of fertilizer on your project and then five tons on his project, or sell the other five tons and put the money into his pocket. You know so these are part of the risk mitig- mitigation strategies, and also the other thing is what we want to do is we want to reduce waste and increase yields. so these agents also serve the purpose of you know educating the farmers and teaching the farmers and most importantly, um, we realize that you know a lot of people. Um, have access to land, but they don't have access to the knowledge and the experience of farming. So these agents also then cater to first-time farmers as well. So you don't have to have been, you know, farming for years and years to be able to get a loan from us, you know. We're going to provide you people who are going to help you and train you. So do do the agents as
0: well visit the farmers um, periodically just to like, just to check, to see that they're
1: actually doing what they're supposed to do? Yes, that, that's 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 part of their job. So that's that's that, those are the extension services that I'm talking about. You know, they they're, they're going to have to monitor the crop and make sure you know, so that they can check the crop you know for 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 signs of you know disease or, or anything like that, to make sure that you know we can counteract it if there's a problem. You know, make sure that the farmer is doing everything properly as well. So you know, sometimes you get situations where maybe the farmer is not, um, they're not uh, applying fertilizer correctly or something like that. You know, that that's when these guys come in, come in and step in and then advise the farmers, you know, or maybe the farmer might identify that, look, my plants aren't looking well, you know, they can actually contact the agent and be like, what do I do to counteract this and sort this out?
0: Good, good. So, regards, <clears throat> I wanted you, you spoke about um, titles to land um, earlier on. Yes. Those titles affect, I'm speaking from a wider uh, perspective now, a wider context now. Does title affect farmers to get loans?
1: Um, so it depends on the type of farmer. Um, so so obviously a lot of like I said, you know, traditional financial institutions, they need they they want title, they want to hold on to that title because you know, obviously if something goes wrong, then you know they want their money back and that sort of thing. Right? Now, in in the context of smallholder farmers, smallholder farmers are affected by the issue of title in many cases because you know, they are in rural areas where they don't have, you know, your traditional title deed, the, 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 the sort of title deed that we recognize as a title deed, you know. So for that rural farmer to then go and access finance, you know, the bank is going to be like, but you don't have a title deed yet. You know, this is land that, you know, they've grown on for generations, but it doesn't have, you know, your specific, your, your traditional title deed. So that's how smallholder farmers are then affected by, you know, the issue of um, of title if you look at if you look at uh, Zimbabwe, for example, why um, getting finance for farmers um, has been very very difficult when the government went on to the we did, did the the land reform program in Zimbabwe, um, all land suddenly became state land you know so farmers were now being given what are called ninety nine year leases which the banks then decided were not bankable because they couldn't then take that lease from a farmer, and then sell it to get the money back from what they had loaned the farmer. So for 20 plus years, Zimbabwean farmers have actually failed to actually get finance as a result, you know? And the ones who do get finance are using, instead of using title deeds from the farm, they use their personal residential title deeds to then go and get um, access to finance.
0: Wow, yeah. So now, now we've spoken about the investment parts. Now I want to talk about the tech aspect. Mm-hmm. of starting up a tech company in um is, is it based in south africa or based in zimbabwe we,
1: we start we started off in zimbabwe and then we came to south africa for as part of a tech accelerator known as startup boot camp
0: okay um
1: yeah so we were part of the 2019 cohort for startup boot camp and we came here and you know they, they helped train us to do a, a, a number of things and opened up our eyes to various opportunities and, you know, gave us the opportunity to actually try start here. Um, you know, and it's, it's worked out very, very well for us. And I'm, I'm always very, very grateful to them. And, you know, uh, anytime I need any sort of help, you know, they're always there, you know. So I've got questions about something, you know, I'll ask them, they'll link me up to Peter Haya. So it's, it's a, an amazing experience. And, you know, Any entrepreneur who's trying something, you know, I'll recommend them any day.
0: Yeah, that is kind of the questions that I want to ask then secondly one of your one of your missions is to connect uh, farmers to a network of crop investors why crop investors
1: Or oh, is it because of the short term um yield okay so so i think to, to answer this question I'll, I'll probably have to go to to the beginning of why we developed the platform um and why we look for crop and livestock and why we call them crop and livestock invest. so um you know, the, the platform we've, you know, three years ago when we started building the platform or well when I started building the platform, um, I, I really knew nothing about, you know, coding, but I knew what, exactly what I wanted um, in my mind. So, I mean, it's, it's been a really crazy and long, and long journey and, you know, and, and a horror story. But I, I think, you know, every entrepreneur goes through this, especially when you're starting out. So, uh, the first thing for me was that um, I knew I wanted a website so i first met a bunch of guys and you know these guys told me that yeah we can build it you know we think it's a good idea and stuff like that and but they didn't actually produce anything you know for the longest time so i ended up having to teach myself how to do html css and javascript and i built the first website which is just a static website information stuff like that you know um so after these guys failed to do that so for two years they kind of gave me the runaround saying that they were doing something and and that sort of thing right and you know, produce nothing, um, and then you know I got really frustrated, and then I taught myself how to do Python and how to code in Python, and then also code in uh, Django. But then at the same time, I then realized that you know I was kind of I was being silly about it because you know in the meantime, you know for the past two to three years I've been searching for a CTO, and um, I, I, I realized that you know I was wasting my time because instead of focusing on the actual business, I was trying to do everything. So I'm trying to code you know, but I'm also trying to find farmers and I'm trying to do this and stuff like that. You know, I I then managed to find a brilliant team, the ones who then produced this app that we launched um, yesterday. And um, the way that it's been actually built is that, um, you know, we understand the frustrations of, you know, well, not the the frustrations, but we understand that there are people who are looking for ways to make their money work for them. And these guys are, investors and what they're investing in is crops and livestock so that's why we call them crop and livestock investors so if you look at the platform you know you register your portfolio and you can select what you want to actually invest in and the powers in your hands of you know you know how long do you want your investment to when do you want your money back for example do you want to put it into a long-term investment or a short-term investment you know um you know what sort of return are you looking for you know each project will tell you you know how much you know we can expect to actually make back from this, you know, and you know it's just you know it's 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 basically a side you know you can, you can think about it as you know a side hustle where your money is working for you, and also at the same time you know you are part of the agricultural value chain. So the way we like to think of it is this is a joint venture between the farmer you farm, and the investor. So the investors are very very important aspect of this, and. I think for them, they need to realize that not only are they investors in projects, but they're also farmers as well.
0: Wow! 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 I really like that. Um, we need to call a name for that. <laughs> agric, um investors, you know, agricultural investors. Um, Agri finance side hustlers.
1: <laughs> I, I like that. I, I'm stealing that.
0: Yeah, I give finance side hustlers. Yeah, we need to call a name for that because what you're doing needs to be replicated all over Africa because access to loans for small-scale farmers is almost non-existent.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the the way we've actually built this platform is we've built it so it's like a plug-and-play solution. So literally, you can actually we can actually pick up right now, jump into another country. And start all over again immediately, you know. So, and the way we see it is, we we are trying to, you know, we, we, you know, um, our our vision is to change the way agricultural finance is done in Africa, you know. So we we've said to ourselves, and this is this is our goal as the team, is we, you know we want to be operating in every country in the SADC region. So I mean, if there's someone out there that's what that wants to partner partner up with us in, you know, Botswana, Mozambique, Zambia. You know, give us a call and you know, you know, become our country uh, our country partner. We'll train you how to do it, we'll train you how to work with the farmers, we'll train you how to work with the you know the investors in your country. Let's get going. You know, because there farm is all over SADC we need this help.
0: Yeah. And um and also if um I'm from Nigeria originally, so not originally, I'm from Nigeria anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you, if, you, if you guys are looking towards coming towards West Africa, yeah, we can definitely team up because I think there's something like that going on in Nigeria at the moment. Oh, well, um, yeah,
1: uh, no, no. yeah. West Africa is amazing when it comes to tech innovation. So yeah. in Nigeria, um, there's Farm Crowdy. So I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, Farm was the they were the first guys to actually um, come up with this concept. You know mm-hmm. i mean when i came when I, when I came up with this idea after facing these challenges you know i was really excited i thought you know what i'm the first person on this you know you know farm cloudy had been doing it for about a year you know which is yeah. brilliant and you know at the end of the day you know and this is what i always tell to, to budding entrepreneurs because i've started to actually mentor quite a number of entrepreneurs and you know one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs have is that when they come up with an idea they're too scared to talk about it and mm-hmm. i always tell them that, You know, there's seven and a half billion people on the planet, you know, if you think that you're the only person to come come up with a concept, and you're worried about people stealing it, you know, then you're crazy. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have thought about it, but not many people actually get to implementing it and doing something about it, Mm -hmm. you know, so talk to people, you know, because talking to people helps to refine your idea, you know, and sometimes you never know someone who's someone who's listening is willing to help. So when you now look at West Africa, you know, you've got farm crowd, there's complete farmer, you know, there's so many guys who are doing so many exciting things in the in the ag tech finance space um there in West Africa. So there's no need for us to to, to rush there because you know, you know, you guys have got it under lockdown. and you know, you guys are, are much bigger and more aggressive than we are in Southern Africa. So, yeah, so the thing you know, is, enough respect.
0: John, John, the thing is we need as much as possible. We need see if there can be a hundred, if there can be a thousand you farms. Yeah concept or style in the african continent it is it is welcome we need more more more
1: because absolutely i i i agree with you, you know that's why i'm saying that you know in west africa it's it's, it's 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 very inspirational for us seeing what's going on there you know the innovation and you know the tenacity and the the grit that the entrepreneurs have there you know, in terms of coming up with these solutions and you know pushing the omb, you know we 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 watch, we follow, and we're learning from what they there. And you know, for us to get there, one actually be a really amazing achievement.
0: So you were mentioning you were saying something about horror stories. What kind of horror stories did you face to build in this?
1: So so I mean, look, the biggest challenge that we've had um, has been the aspect of uh, financing. So we've been self-financed from uh, day one. Um, you know, and as any startup, you know, um, you know, it's it, financing is always a challenge. So obviously, when we started off, you know, um, the idea was that you know, well, I thought people funded ideas. So I thought, you know, brilliant idea, I'm going to get finance. You know, I didn't realize that you know, you got to build traction, you got to do this, you got to do that. And the biggest horror story for me, well, that I can tell about you know our journey, has been the building and the development of the platform. You know, like I said early on. You know, I found these guys who, because I didn't know anything about coding, they managed to lie to me for two years that they were actually doing something, but they actually hadn't done any sort of work, you know? So that's how I ended up having to teach myself how to code, for example. You know, and, but for, for me, you know, the blessing is, is that it it is a learning curve. You know, you can't, you can't be the CEO of a company and not know anything about how a certain department works. Mm-hmm. So... Now that I know how, how to code and what is required behind coding, I was able to guide the new team and tell them exactly what I want and be clear with my instructions. If I hadn't gone through that whole period of two years of failing to find guys who can build it and going through two teams that just didn't do any work, you know, I wouldn't have been in the position now to actually find the ideal team and a team that knows what, you know, what they're actually doing. So for me, that, um, that, that, was, that was huge. The second big thing is that, you know, it goes back to the whole financing thing. Trying to find a team to put together a team um, that believes in your vision is very, very difficult, especially in the African context, where in Africa, when when you when you when you talk to a lot of people, they're like, okay, cool, you know, we like what you're doing, but they can't sacrifice, you know, six months without being paid. Because, you know, they have to eat, they've got bills to pay and that sort of thing. Mm. So it it immediately puts a lot of um, African startups at a disadvantage because, you know, you can't afford to take six months off work to focus full time on this. And, you know, as a startup founder, um, it then becomes very difficult, you know, finding team members who can do that sort of thing. So you find that, you know, you get a lot of people that are excited you know, they jump on the team, and then as soon as things hit hard, uh, uh, as soon as you hit hard times and there's no money for salaries and stuff like that, they've moved on to the next job. What yeah. about sweat equity? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so the, 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 they talk a good game, and they'll tell you that they want sweat equity, you know, and that, you know, they're going to put in X amount of effort, you know, but a lot of them also want to then get paid as well. So, like I said, you know, they've got immediate bills, so they can't, they can't really take time off their main jobs. You know, and then at night, um, you know, uh, work on your project as well. You know, which is which is which is kind of difficult. So it's it's very difficult finding someone who's got the long term vision who understands that okay, this is going to pay off in terms of uh, sweat equity. You know, so that that has been one of the challenges that I've also had. But I mean, like I said, I'm I'm very happy that we're now in South Africa because I found a team that you know understands, you know, and they've also then seen the potential that. Okay, okay, you know what, but this can actually work and we're doing something that's, that's more important than we are, you know? So if you ask any of my team members, you know, what do you actually do? The first response that they'll tell you is that we fund farmers. Then you're like, no, no, what do you do at True farm? Oh, no, I'm actually in charge of coding or I'm in charge of digital marketing, you know? But the one thing that we always have in our head is that, look, we fund farmers. And the reason why I've taught my team this is that it doesn't matter whether you do digital marketing, it doesn't matter whether you do coding, it doesn't matter whether, you know, you're in charge of, you know, keeping the office clean. If you don't do your job properly, then we cannot fund the farmers, you know. Mm. So if you don't do your digital marketing job properly, we can't attract investors to then fund the farmers. So therefore, you, the digital marketer, are, are responsible for funding farmers, you know. And my whole team thinks like that. And that's that's our focus. Our focus is to fund farmers, you know. Um, Uh, one of the cool things that we've done with the platform is, you know, we allow people to actually send tokens to each other, you know, and through the token transfer, what you can actually do is, you know, um, instead of sending, you know, your relatives back home money every month, you know, you can actually set them up with a Ufarm account where they can actually start investing in projects and earning money like that, you know, as well, you know, or if you want to teach your kids how to start saving and investing, you know, set them up with a Ufarm account, send them some tokens and let them start picking and investing and experimenting and learning about you know how to invest from a very 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 early age you know and um, for us you know the important thing is that um, the power is in us we don't have to wait for solutions we don't have to wait for banks we don't have to wait for grant funding you know we can use the power of communities to actually fund our farmers you know and generate wealth you know through the land and that's that's what we are trying to achieve at Ufarm like we
0: like like I said, one of our guests some time ago. The next set of billionaires in Africa—they're already mobilizing. So, and I can see you already mobilizing. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm really grateful for, for 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 having this conversation with you. If you have one, I know you've mentioned it just now, but if you have one word for the African diaspora, what is going to be the word for them?
1: Well, I I think you, you know. The African diaspora, I don't think, realizes the amount of power that they that they actually have in terms of, you know, influencing things back home. You know, when you look at the numbers in terms of remittances, money sent back by the African diaspora back home and stuff like that, you know, it's crazy, you know. That's the sort of money that can actually you know, run economies, there's a lot of, there's a lot of African economies that actually rely on diaspora remittances, you know, if these guys in the diaspora could actually start getting together and mobilizing, you know, you don't have to, countries don't, shouldn't have to wait for, you know, to attract foreign direct investors, you know, you shouldn't have to wait for European investors, Chinese investors to come and, you know, open up projects in Africa, you know, the diaspora should be able to mobilize itself, get together put money together as a large group and, you know, come and, you know, invest in agriculture, invest in mining, you know, invest in your own countries. Um, You know, I, I know that, you know, there's this thing that we call black tax where, you know, people are taking care of their families. So you're sending a certain amount of money back home every month and stuff like that. You know, that's brilliant. We're grateful for that, you know, and we support that. But I think we need to start thinking of a bigger picture. You know, instead of thinking of, you know, me take care of my family. Think about how you can change your community. You know, think about how you can change the village back home. Is there you know a project that you can, you know, invest in to change their lives and get a couple of people in the diaspora to actually then sponsor their project and support that project. You know? So invest in the diaspora community back in your communities back home. That's I think that's the one thing that I would say um, the diaspora can actually can actually do and to do effectively. They're, they're already changing lives with the money that they send back. Now, let's make it coordinated, targeted, and focused.
0: Wow. Let's make it coordinated, targeted, and focused. So, guys, thank you for listening to us or watching this. Mr. John, thank you very much for, for you being with us. If they want to connect with you, how can um, anybody here who is watching us right
1: now or listening to us connect? Um, sure. Um, you can drop me an email. Um, my email address is jp. Matenga at ufarm.africa. So J P M A T E N G A at ufarm, Y-O-U-F-A-R-M.Africa. Or you can send an email to info.africa. Or you can um, you can you can you can you can reach me on LinkedIn, uh, uh, John Paul Matenga as well, or drop us a line on our Facebook page, um UFarm South Africa. You know, just drop us a line and we'll get in touch with you. As well, great, great, great!
0: Thank you very much, John. And um, um,
1: I wish you all um, the best. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with me via WhatsApp as well, um, oh. it's plus two seven six three seven zero eight one zero six eight. Can you repeat that? Plus two seven six three seven zero eight one zero six eight
0: fantastic fantastic so thank you very much john for sharing your your amazing project with us and i wish you all the best of luck in the coming season and yeah thank you for hanging out with us
1: no thank thank you very much and thank you for for, for having me on board and allowing me to share our story
0: you're most welcome sir so speak soon
1: all right take care